0: Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to be picking up where we left off in chapter 16. Last week we looked at the first five verses there, and uh, now we're going to pick up in verse 6. And uh, I want to read just the beginning part of that, and then we'll take a moment and pray. So Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After that, they had come to Mysia, they tried to go on to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood, pleaded with him, saying, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, help us to be honest about several things that we're going to bring out this morning. The things that are in your word, I pray, God, that we would not dismiss them as for someone else. I pray, Lord, that we would be honest enough to admit where we struggle, where we fail, where we fall short, and, Lord, not just acknowledge it, but to do something about it. Lord God, I pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning, as only you can, Lord. And I ask your Father, Lord, that you would illuminate the Word, make it enlighten it to our eyes and our minds, Lord, that we may apply it. Thank you for each one that's here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I truly believe with all my heart that there is a missing ingredient in the lives of many, many believers. Maybe even many of you that are here today. Um, This missing ingredient affects the lives of so many, and I'll even say it affects us in a very catastrophic way. I say, well, Pastor, you're going just a little bit overboard. I don't believe I am. I really, honest to God, do not believe that I am. When I mentioned the missing ingredient... Please don't dismiss the missing ingredient as blah or no big deal. Because if you do, you'll miss the point of the message today. It's a huge deal. So what is the missing ingredient? I know some of you are thinking, I think I know where he's going. Maybe I know what it is. I'm just going to say it. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. The filling of Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And I know that immediately some of you who have been in church for most of your lives are saying, "Well, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved." And I'll say to you, amen. Yes, you did. You did. If you truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Amen. amen. That's right. So, let me just give you a couple of verses that talk about that and I, and there's a reason why I want to bring out these verses because we dismiss them as, ah, ho-hum, blah, big, no big deal. I got the Holy Spirit, so what's the big deal? The big deal is that there is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things. Some of you may have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but you don't have the filling of the Spirit. And that's the missing ingredient. So let me just give you a several verses that talk about the indwelling. In John chapter 7, verses 37-39, he says this, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. He said, When I come, he goes, I will give you the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith and we begin to follow Jesus Christ.'" He gives us His Spirit, and no matter where we go, no matter what we do, His Spirit lives within us, right? That's a blessing. That's a promise that He has given to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, He says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into the hearts by the Holy Spirit, who what? Was given to us. We have the Holy Spirit. So what's the big deal? Just bear with me for a moment. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In whom you also trusted After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit the moment that he took residence within you and that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, that's to the end. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So therefore, once again, he says, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit indwells you, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. He's the unseen guest at every dinner table. You know, he's a part of every conversation. If you know him and you're truly a follower of Jesus, he's there with you. One more, 1 John four twelve through 14. says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us what? His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. So there's evidence that Jesus lives within us, that His Spirit lives within us by His presence with us. So when we start thinking about it, so what's the big deal? Well, let me just kind of dismiss or squash a couple of myths that maybe some of you have believed. First of all, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, no demon is going to live also in you. People say, well, he's possessed. No, if they're a true child of God, they have truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you cannot be, they cannot be demon-possessed. They can be oppressed, but they cannot be possessed. That's my opinion. I believe the Scripture teaches that. The Holy Spirit is not going to share residence with a demon. I don't believe that. Just like you would not let the enemy live in your house underneath your roof, how many would be willing to do that? I not I'm not going to let the enemy of my household, those who would do me harm, live under my house. But I do believe that when someone is in sin or when they've been afflicted, they can have the oppressing of the holy of, of the demon. They can have, you know, his his, his uh, squadron, so attacking you, but not living within you. This is the residence of Jesus Christ. This is the Holy Spirit's. Home, it's it's his temple. He's not going to share residence. There's a difference between possession and oppression. Know the difference. But here's where I want to go with this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but here's what I want you to learn from the passage. There is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Uh, It is true that the Holy Spirit indwells you if you put your faith and trust. In Him for salvation. However, the filling of the Spirit comes as you seek and obey God every single day. You cannot walk into disobedience and be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. You cannot live, live for the satisfying your flesh and and, and being walking in, in fellowship with the Spirit at the same time. The two co- do not coincide. They are opposed to each other. So if I'm living in sin... I cannot expect to be filled with the Spirit and be performing and walking in obedience to God. You need the filling of the Spirit, which is comes through submission and obedience every single day. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to back this up. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the rich of his glories. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ with passionate knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You only have that strength by being filled with the Spirit. You cannot fulfill what God wants you to do in your flesh. And by the way, I don't think I've ever seen anybody accomplish God's will living in the flesh say well they're wealthy they must have God's blessing you know a lot of people are wealthy and have nothing to do with God a lot of people have the a great physique and a body that's just super healthy and toned and fit has nothing to do with God bottom line is people do things every day apart from God God's blessing is something different in Ephesians chapter 5 18 it says this we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit it says in Ephesians 5.18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. He commanded us to be filled with the Spirit. question is, do you want it? I mean, seriously, do you want it? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Why should we want that? Well, Acts 1, eight says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and she'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. So, if the Holy Spirit can come upon you, there is an insinuation or presupposes the fact that some of you don't have the Holy Spirit upon you. He may indwell you, but you're not filled with Him. Someone said this way: He has all of you, but do you have all of Him? You may have all of Him, but does He have all of you? Let me put it that way, just just backwards there. He has me, but have I given Him total control? Acts four eight says: Then Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, do you realize that Peter went against those who were against God? How? By being filled with the Holy Spirit power. That that filling gave him the ability to do what he could not do in his flesh. You want to do what's supernatural? You want to do what God has asked you to do? Then be filled with the Spirit to do it. There's a difference. We need to be careful that we don't quench or grieve the Holy Spirit as well. In Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And in First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. How do you quench the Spirit? You ever thought about that? If you wonder why, and I'm just going to say it because some of you have said this to me. Well, I don't sense the presence of God in my life. I, I, I don't see where he's at work around me or in me that's saying a lot it really is because god's not the one that moves he says if you draw nigh to me what i will thank you so he says i will be there if you call on me it's not my responsibility he says to make you, you he gives you the choice to, and, and the and the and the ability to call on him and he says if you call on me he goes i will answer But oftentimes we're so busy trying to do everything that we do in our own power and in our own flesh and in our own wisdom that we think we got this. I don't need God for this one. I'm telling you that Peter and Paul and John and all of them that went out preaching and proclaiming the gospel, they did not do it in their own flesh. They could not do it in their own flesh. They were too weak in their own flesh. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Most things? Some things? Some things? He said nothing. But when are we going to realize that? That we need the filling of the Holy Spirit for God to do great things in and through our midst. So why is this distinction between being indwelled with the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit so important? I'll tell you why. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to go forth in boldness and power to do what God wants you to do. You have to have it to do what God wants you to do. Otherwise, life is going to be ho-hum. Well, I'm here at church. Well, you know, the church has this project going on, I guess I'll help with it a little bit, and I guess it's okay. It's just ho-hum. It's just status quo. It's just good is good enough. But every time we've been going through the book of Acts so far, chapter by chapter by chapter by chapter, verse by verse by verse by verse, what is presence, present, with the working and the miracles that Paul and all the others were doing. The Holy Spirit. You need the filling of the Holy Spirit. In some cases, being filled with the Spirit gave men boldness to confront those against God and to speak with boldness the gospel. In some cases, that Holy Spirit just gave them that extra boldness to proclaim what God wanted them to proclaim. In some cases, being filled with the Holy Spirit gave men the ability to speak in tongues. Yep, that's in Scripture too. But that wasn't in their own flesh. says There was a reason for it. In other cases, being filled with the Holy Spirit gave men the ability to perform great miracles that they could not do apart from themselves, or apart from the Holy Spirit's working in them. You won't see in Scripture, I don't believe, examples of people living in sin and selfishness and at the same time doing great things that God glorified. They don't coincide. So let's get back to our text for a moment now that I got on that little tangent. And I know some of you are still stuck on the first part or the second part or whatever. But let's get back to the text just for a moment. Because this is where I want to spend a few minutes this morning. In John chapter 16 verse 5, or I'm sorry, verse 6 says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Just stop right there for a moment. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. How in the world did they know that they weren't supposed to go? I mean, it sounds like a good thing. I mean, I have a, I have a sincere motive. I have a great desire because I'm looking at these people and say, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm just going to be used of God. I'm going to expect God to do great things. And the Holy Spirit saying, nope, don't go there. How did they know that? Well, you know, they just kind of flip the coin, heads we go, tails we stay. Must be of God. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by a toe, you know, and if it ends up on go, we go, right? No. There was something very much alive within them. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit that they were in fellowship with. And once again, I'll go right back to it as I've done a hundred times. If you want to have a close relationship with your wife, you have to what, guys? What? You got to get close. You got to communicate. You got to talk, right? Bottom line. So if my wife's on the third floor and I'm down in the basement, how good is that communication going to be? Poor, not very good. And some of your wives are going, <coughs> you know. You know, the bottom line is this. If you want God to speak through you, to be working in and through you, you have to submit daily to the Spirit's leading. You need to spend time in God's Word. You need to be talking with Him. you got to draw close. That's how I know that Paul knew exactly where to go and where where not to go. There were needs everywhere. I mean, every time, I mean, we've been looking at this over the last several weeks. They went from town to town to town to town, right? I mean, everywhere they went, there was no place that didn't have needs, right? I mean, why not just go here? Let's extend the service of preaching the word and performing miracles, and let's just work here. This is the next town in line. Nope, can't go there. But there's needs there. Too bad, I don't want you to go there. I love what Dave says often. We'll hear a speaker in a present a project, and uh, your heart tugs and say, hey, I want to I give to that project. Stop for a minute. Did you pray about it? Is that still smallest voice speaking to you saying, do this? Or is that just your flesh saying, oh, I can do that. I can help with that. The only way to know the difference is to be in prayer and in fellowship and walking with God. That's what makes the difference. There were needs everywhere. Godly men wanted to address those needs everywhere. They were more than willing to go where there was need. We see that in verse 6. They were willing to go. But the Holy Spirit forbid them to go to these certain places. And you see that again in verse 7. It says, and after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. And God's like, I know there's needs there. I know you want to go there. I know that you probably have great results there, but no. Can't go there. Not going to let you do that. Why? I mean, is it going to hurt if I do it? Don't know, don't matter. Spirit said no. So that's the answer. Oh, my goodness. I hate Anybody else hate hearing no? I don't like hearing the word no. No goes against my flesh because I want to do what I want to do. I want to do it when I want to do it. I want to do it as often as I want to do it. And I don't really care what anyone else thinks. That's my flesh. So when I get upset with what God is saying no to, because I want a yes, how do we respond? Do we respond obedience, or do we find a way to make it happen? Because that's what we want to do. That's what we want to see happen. The Holy Spirit said no. How did they know they were not to go? They certainly tried, but God spoke and said no. Well, let me just give you four ways. Number one, roadblocks, closed doors, and circumstances. You ever you ever met somebody who says, "Well, God just opened the door," and you're hearing the full story. He's like, no, you manipulated it. Man, that, I, I tried to open the door and it di- it didn't open, so I went and got a hammer and <coughs> broke the broke the handle off. Well, then it just kind of you know still got stuck and it wouldn't open, so I started kicking it in with my foot. One way or the other, we're going to get through that door because that's where we want to go. Then we say, "Look, at the door got open." Sometimes we look for open doors when there's struggles where we're at, and God says, I don't want you to run from the struggle. But the enemy is attacking. It doesn't matter. Think about this for a moment. When you think of all the armor that God gave you, the sword, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the feet, sandals, the, what is the part of their body that he did not protect you with? What? The back. You know Why? Because sometimes God doesn't want you to run from the problem. Sometimes he says, just trust me for the power to go forward. The strength to move to move against the enemy. But bless God, we don't take hints. I'll, I'll be honest with you. About eight or nine years ago, I was in Elkhart, Indiana. And uh, I was driving the singles big truck because they didn't know where they were going. They said, you drive. So I I drove, and I'm in this big monster truck, big one-ton diesel truck. And we start going down this road to where we wanted to be, and there's a roadblock. And I'm not debating in my mind, but I need to go just right over there. I mean, I can see it from where here, but there's a roadblock. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. Val is in the backseat. Just go through there. Just go through there. The kind of road was kind of torn up a little bit. They're getting ready to repave it. It was all torn up. I'm going just right over there. It's just like uh, 200 yards. Val's in the back backseat. Go, Pastor Ken. Go, go, go. I'm in a big truck. That road ain't going to stop me. Yeah, why not? I'd no sooner started to go through that roadblock, and guess what? The <laughs> lights lit up. I'm like, oh, thanks, Val. appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to blame the person in the backseat telling you to go, but I had a choice to make, right? I wanted to go there. It was in sight. I just needed to cut through this little section of road that had a roadblock. But isn't that like us? In so many areas of life, we want to go where we want to go, do what we want to do, and we're so oblivious to the intentional roadblocks. I mean, circumstances say it's not smart, but that's what I want. I mean, I I know I have bills, but this vacation, I really want to go on it. Uh, I, I have credit cards for this. And, and the temptation is can be powerful, can it not? It's a roadblock. It's a circumstance that God is saying, oh, hello, look, 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 look at this one. And we're just like, yeah, but I see what's on the other side of it. I want to get there. These closed doors oftentimes are there for our protection. And yet we want to get through there because it's what our flesh wants. Sometimes it's a word from a prophet. You know, something the preacher said, something the missionary said, something the science school teacher said. Yeah, I know I heard this, but I really want to do this. God's like, I'm trying to get your attention. I know, but I really want to go here. I want to do this. No, but I really want this one. And we're willing to dismiss the still small voice in the back of our mind saying, "That's not smart. That's not the way to go." And if you, well, let me go one more. As we see in the text, sometimes God uses visions and dreams to teach us, to get our attention, to redirect us. I have to admit, I haven't had the, I haven't had these visions and dreams in my lifetime. I just don't. I, I don't know. God hasn't used that in my life. <laughs> but I know that he has used it in other people's lives. Here's one of them, Paul. That's really way out there, Pastor. Yeah, maybe, but did not God use it? He did. See, we can't put God in a box in how he's going to speak to us either. But oftentimes, these roadblocks, these closed doors, these circumstances, the word from the prophet, the still small voice of our conscience, the visions and dreams, God is using this to direct us and sometimes say no. The question is, are we going to give into to what God wants or are we going to give in to what our flesh wants? And God was working and Paul was close enough to God and the Holy Spirit was working through him enough to say, don't go there, I want you to go here. And here's the problem with that. If we're not careful, if we do what we want to do enough, say yes to my flesh and no to God enough, you will sear your conscience you will quench the Spirit. You will get to the point where the Holy Spirit, it will be hard to hear if you continually say yes to your flesh. That's what it means to quench the Spirit. To grieve the Spirit. He says, I have this for you, but you're doing this. They walked in obedience daily and trusted God completely. What is that verse in Proverbs? 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And do not what? Lean on your own understanding. And in how many ways? All your ways do what? Acknowledge him, and then what will he do? Make your path straight. He'll direct your path. You see, you can't have straight path and be on the path that God wants you to do if you're still doing your own thing. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll do what he says he's going to do. So back to our text for a moment. So they have this idea. They want to they go into uh, Galatia, and, and the Holy Spirit saying, no, I don't want you to go there. Well, let's go into Bithynia then. No, the Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go there. Coincidence? No. You see, God has a purpose and a plan for while, how and why he's directing you a certain direction. So look at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So he feels he's got a clear direction from from God now through this vision that he had during the night. And he's going to do what? He's going to respond accordingly. What happens? Verse 11. And God always works through his plan when we obey it. Look at verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where Prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart and he, and he, and to heed the things spoken by Paul. So when Paul did what God asked him to do, to go to Macedonia, he had there in wait people who needed to hear the message. And because he did what God told him to do through the Holy Spirit. God was able to use him there. And he says that his heart was there. Her heart was ready for the message to receive it. It says, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Notice the open door that was given in verse 10. Come to Macedonia. Lydia was there worshiping God, verse 12 and her whole family were baptized which means that they believed and then were baptized you see great things happen when we walk in obedience that's the principle here blessing comes from obedience oftentimes we're not seeing the blessing because we're doing it our own way what's the answer start submitting to the Spirit's leading. I want what I want. Anyone else? I want what I want. And I can give you a thousand reasons why I should get it. I can justify it. I can rationalize it. I can excuse it. Anyone else good at it? I'm really good at it. I can give you reasons that make sense, in my mind at least, as to why I should do this or get that. makes perfect sense to me. And yet God is saying, (laughs) your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways because my thoughts and my ways are higher than your thoughts and your ways. He said that, by the way, not me. But I want what I want. And yet here is a perfect example of somebody being filled with the Spirit to know where God is leading them and how God wants to use them for his glory say, well, it's just a simple story. Yes, it is. One that is just screams out over and over and over again as we're going through the book of Acts is that you need the filling of the Spirit to do what God wants you to do. I can't stress that enough. You know why some of you just don't sense the presence of God? Because you're satisfied with not sensing it. You are. So many of us have lost the drive of life. I, I call it the drive of life because there's so many aspects of life you just stop and begin to settle with. You don't like your income, but eh, it's good enough. You don't like the, the management or the supervisors or the, or, or the people in charge over you at work, but eh, that's just who they are. I guess I'll just deal with it. Rather than learn and, and develop and get experience and, and, and grow in those areas so that you can move forward. I just accept it. Well, I don't like—I I don't like my weight and and my health, but uh, it is what it is. It's too hard to make changes. Life is hard, right? But we've lost the drive. You know why some of you don't go to Bible study? Because you don't care anymore. I know. I'm going to put you all in a box, and I'm—I'm I'm sorry for doing that. I don't want to do that. I know that there are circumstances. I, I get that. And I'm not trying to put all of you in the box. Sometimes there's r- legitimate life circumstances that forbid you from being involved in everything. Nobody can be involved in everything. I get that. But when, they, but when the rationale is I just don't want to, that's what I'm talking about. You don't have a valid excuse, a valid reason, a justifiable reason why you don't want to get involved. You just don't. It's not for you. I get it. You just don't care anymore. I say, Pastor, it's just rude. But it's true, isn't it? Because if you cared, you'd do something about it. If you cared that your health was really going down the tube, you would do something about it. If you cared that your finances stink, you'd be trying to better yourself, but you've accepted it. It's just good enough. You don't like the relationships of, of cer- uh, relational circumstances with People in your family, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandchildren, maybe it's your spouse. But, you know, it just is what it is and you've accepted it and you're not willing to work on it anymore. Shame on you. We've learned to accept things as being good enough. And if your marriage stinks, do something about it. Do something about it. If your job stinks, do something about it. I realize there are extenuating circumstances, but don't just let extenuating circumstances dominate you. With the help of the Holy Spirit, God can do things. If you believe that, I keep coming back to it about every three or four months, what it says in Matthew chapter 13. He says, and Jesus did not do many mighty works there. What? Because he didn't know how to do it? Because he couldn't do it? He didn't have the power to do it? He didn't do it because they didn't expect him to. Isn't that what it says? He said he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He says if you don't expect me to do something, you don't have faith that I can do something, I won't disappoint you. That's what he says. And we've learned to accept as whole. How do we know when the Spirit's leading us? You have to get close to him. You have to spend time with him. And he says even ask for it. God, fill me with your spirit. God, do something through me. I don't want to live a ho-hum life. I don't want to just go through life and whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. Oh, well. If that's the case, shame on us. You know why we don't see people coming into church? Because we don't care enough to ask them. 90% of the time. I'm not going to put all of us in that box because I know some of you ask. I get that. You know why we don't share our, our, our story with people? Because we don't care about it ultimately. Because if we cared about it, we'd do something. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're not being filled with the Spirit daily. Yes, we have his indwelling. We're on our way to heaven. but we're good enough. That, that, That's just good enough. I'm satisfied to stop right there. I'm good. I got Jesus in there. I the door spun the dial. Can't nobody steal him. I'm set. I'm going to heaven. Woo! And I'm satisfied with that. When's the last time we got on our face and said, God, fill me with your spirit and empower me to do what I cannot do apart from you? Have you ever prayed that? Honestly, have you ever honestly prayed that prayer? God, fill me with your spirit, please. God, I cannot go forward if you don't fill me. God, I will accomplish nothing if you don't work through me. God, I need you. Fill me and wait for it until it happens. Isn't that what that verse says? We, we should ask to be filled with the Spirit? We, sh- we should ask. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. And you don't get that by accident. It's not coincidence. Can I just say it? And I just say it to all of us. I mean, I'm not putting you in a different category than me I'm fleshly and you cut me I bleed red just like you but the thing is most of us are just satisfied with the way things are if we really cared and if it was important to us to be filled with the spirit to be empowered by the spirit to let God work through us in our lives we would do something about it we would I was talking to some folks this week, and I said, you know what? There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. How many feel that way? Most of us, said, w- there's nothing that we wouldn't do for our kids. I'll go broke for them. You say, well, Pastor, that's dumb. Yeah, I know. We do dumb stuff. Love is blind sometimes. We do dumb stuff sometimes. But there's almost nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. Why? Because they're important to me. Do I like how they act all the time? No. David, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but I'll send that kid a text and it's seven days later before he responds to it. Drives me insane. Why can you not just say yes, no, or simple explanation? I don't get it. The older that kid gets, the less he has his phone on him. Drives me nuts. I don't like how they respond to stuff sometimes, all of our kids. But bless God, that the day I die, they will know that I love them, care for them, will do anything for them. Why? Because they're important to me. And because they're important to me, I will go above and beyond, even when the relationship is not perfect. Because I want them to know that Dad still loves them, no matter what. We do what's important to us. If walking with God is important, we develop that. If serving God is important, we'll develop that. If sharing our story is important, we'll work on that. And it only comes from being filled with the Spirit daily, walking in obedience, spending time with God saying, fill me. And the more you walk with God and the more you surrender to God and the more you submit to him, the more he'll fill you to do his work. Because so you, you can't be going down the direction this way and, asking, and and following God going this way at the same time. You can't. You can't go two directions. God's word makes that clear. He said you'll either be faithful to one and, and despise the other or vice versa. You can't serve God and man. He can't serve two directions simultaneously. You can't. And as long as we're satisfied with the way things are, you'll not change. I'm telling you, life is hard sometimes. Anybody else? It's hard. In my flesh, I want to wake up in the morning. Bless God, I got a slice of heaven this week. I'm just telling you, I got a slice of heaven. Thank you, Patty mates. That crust is so good. I mean, you could eat the whole crust and not touch the. Is is that good? You could be filled and satisfied like with a piece of heaven from just the crust. Is that good. Thank you. I'm just telling you, best peach pie in the world, blackberry, strawberry rhubarb, I know who to go for what. (laughs) Just saying. And I'm just telling you, in my flesh, I'm hiding that sucker, ain't nobody touching it. (laughs) I told her when she dropped that thing off, I'm hiding it. I said, hold on a second, I'm going to go find a hiding spot. I don't want the kids to see this are you going to share it with Don no well maybe I don't know yet I did give her the first piece just so you know I, I cut her the first piece I shared in my flesh I want to eat that whole pie why man if one piece is good three's better I can justify it that thing is so good I mean that is a slice of heaven on a plate it is so good what is good for us all things are good in what moderation if i didn't care about my flesh and by the way i've lost 34 pounds in the last six weeks thank you i work hard at it but my flesh wants what it wants and to say no to the flesh is hard anybody else struggle with that But here's the thing: I don't want to be satisfied with where I'm at. I want to improve. I want my relationships to improve. That's why when I tick off my wife, I want to like, man, I want to go fix this as soon as I can. And trust me, it's easy to. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I can sin in a millisecond. I mean, boom, done. But you just said you were. Yeah, I know. But I just had that wrong thought because I. Oh. Hmm. It only takes me a millisecond to sin. I can just say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and boom, do it again. Wrong thought. Wrong action. Wrong motive. Anyone else? I need the filling of the Holy Spirit every day, every hour of the day. And that's why I have to constantly say, God, fill me. Teach me your word. Help me to apply it. Help me to live this out, because, God, I can't do it without you. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Believe that. You might think you're doing something, but you're not. If it's man-made, you're going to have man-made results. But if God's doing it, you're going to have God results. I want those. Because man's ways are temporal. God's ways are eternal. There's a huge difference. But it starts with saying, I want it. I want it. You have to want it. Some of you have quit. Some of you have given up and accepted the way, the way things are. And I know that because some of 70% of you do nothing o- outside of the Sunday morning service. You say, well, does it have to be done here? No, I'm not saying that. Y- if that's what you're getting from what I'm saying, you're missing the point. The point is some of you have just quit serving. You've quit walking with God. You've quit getting involved because for whatever reason you've justified in your mind for. Faith without works is what? Dead. It's not real faith. So if you're not serving God, prove to me that you know him from God's word. Not my opinion. He said it. So justify that however you want. Things need to change. Pastor, you're ticking me off today. Well, okay. Get mad at God, as Moses said. You're not not murmuring against me. You're murmuring against God because it's his word. I just want to challenge all of it. I, and I'm preaching to myself here. I have to constantly surrender to my flesh. I'm just telling you, man. I don't care if it is a good beef Nathan's hot dog. If one's good three's better. I, I, I want it. I want that. Man, my wife, last night, she was making some killer potato salad for today. I want to just, like, grab a spoon and give me the bowl. You don't have to make more for the rest of the kids coming tomorrow. I want it. I didn't ask her I took one bite but my flesh wants it my flesh wants what it wants in every area and then in order for us to be walking in the spirit we have to say no to the flesh don't be satisfied ask God to fill you and empower you to do to get back on track say well it's just a simple story yep that's all it is story of a couple guys that wanted to go here. God said no. They said, well, let's go here. God said no. He goes, go there. Okay, we'll go. How do you know that? Daily walking with God. Daily saying, God, fill me. Use me. Daily, God, I surrender to what you want. Daily, God, I will say no to my flesh. It's a daily thing. In fact, it's not even a daily thing. It's an hourly thing. Oh, In conclusion, what needs a change in your life? What needs a change? You can't do it apart from being filled with the Spirit. So you're saved. Great. He indwells you. You have the ability to be filled now. What needs a change? You know what it is. God has already pointed out. I've mentioned some things, and you're saying, yeah, that's me. What needs to change? Are you willing to do it? And let me just say, part of doing it sometimes means that you need the help of others. I I struggle with that. I want to do what I want to do because I think I can do it. Anyone else? I'm strong enough for this one, God. I got this one. I I know you're there, but I got this one. Right. As you crumble and fall. (laughs) But what needs to change? Got broken relationships? I realize that there are circumstances that are hard to overcome. What's done is done. No, but you can correct it to the point that you can correct it to keep communication open with your kids, with your relatives, with your loved ones. Don't just accept it as, oh, well, it is what it is. You're saying, God, you're not strong enough for this one. You're not powerful enough for this one. Job situation? God, I, I, I know you're, you're concerned for me, but this is just too big a deal for you. I get it. Really? Is it too big for God? It's not. But you've got to believe that. You see, I found in my own life is that my, sometimes my faith extends only as far out as I think God can do it. I remember this illustration. i I'll close. I remember my first mission trip that I went on. I thought, oh, this much money? Oh, that's, that's no problem. In my mind, I could figure out how I could get it. So if I'm figuring out how I can get this amount of money to go on this trip, guess what I didn't have in God? I, I didn't need faith for that one because I could, I, in my mind, I could figure out how I could get that much. I worked it out. I'm good. I'd take it from here and a little bit from here, and then I'm going to do this and get paid for that, and I'm going to sell this. I got it. I'm good. We do that with so many areas of life. We say, I'm trusting God, but I'm figuring it out how I'm going to do it. Where's the Spirit leading? What does the Spirit want you to do by being filled with him? Because you won't have the power and the boldness and the courage without it. Yeah, you may be saved on your way to heaven, but man, it's going to be a dull, long trip getting there for you. How about seeing God do some great things? Some of you this morning need to sit there and say, Lord, fill me. Forgive me. I've accepted it as well as good enough. And you need to repent of that. God says, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it just barely. Just get through. Survive rather than thrive, because that's why I'm here, right? He said, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it what? Abundantly. Some of you are satisfied with a little bit less. Eh, just is what it is. Shame on us. I think God is greater. I think He can do more. Anyone else? Let's 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 act like it then. Let's expect it then. Let's trust Him for it then. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord but I don't know if I've been true to the text as much as I wanted to be, but Lord, your Spirit has led us to believe that we cannot do anything. We would not know where to go, what to do without your Spirit's filling. And God, so often we can miss the boat by doing our own thing. I know I have, God. Please forgive me, Father. Forgive me for being selfish. Forgive me for not trusting you and Daily, saying, God, fill me. Forgive me for not always walking in obedience as I ought, Father. For not having boldness, because, Lord, I'm too busy doing my own thing. God, I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts in this way. I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you'd help us to get beyond just existence. Beyond just surviving, but that we would thrive in walking with you. Lord, some of us are sitting in the congregation saying, I don't even get what he's saying. Maybe they don't have the Holy Spirit to begin with. They don't have the indwelling because they're not saved. But, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't get hung up on one aspect of the sermon, but, Lord, see the big picture. Lord, that we would do what we can through the help of your Holy Spirit to apply it, Lord, to make changes where necessary with your help. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It just ask for a moment. You say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. There's some things that need to change. I need to start asking God to fill me. I need to ask, start asking God to, to help me walk in obedience and, and to be led by the Spirit. I've been doing my own thing. God's convicted me of that. He's shown me there's some areas that need to change. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. In the back, in the front, the sides. Many of us across this auditorium this morning have acknowledged that there's something that's not quite right. It's not where it needs to be. What will you do about it? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a situation in your life, a circumstance that has happened that you've just allowed it to be what it is because in your mind it's not going to change. Repent of that. You're saying, God, you're not big enough. God, you're not strong enough. God, you're not powerful enough. That's a lack of faith, a lack of trust, a lack of seeing God who he is. God can do far more than you expect or imagine. He says that. So can I challenge all of us who've raised our hand and our heart towards God this this morning to simply take a moment and say, God, fill me. Give me your power. Give me your wisdom to walk with you and fellowship with you daily throughout the day, all day. And those areas that you've agreed with, those areas that you said, yeah, that's me, I've kind of quit, I've kind of given up, I've kind of, Lord, I'm giving those to you. And God, I'm just going to pray and trust you to work because I can't fix it. I can't change it, but you can. God, increase my faith. Give me greater trust. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I can walk in complete obedience. Help me to see your hand at work. Help me to sense your presence. Lord, help me to draw nigh to you daily. Just talk with God. Share your heart with him. Lord Jesus, thank you for how you've worked. Thank you for these who've acknowledged. And Lord, my own life, God, I need more of the Holy Spirit filling me daily throughout the day so that I can see your hand at work and that you could work through me. Lord, I know I have all of you, but, Lord, there are days that you don't have all of me. Forgive me. So, Lord, do a work in my life and in the life of those who have acknowledged that this morning, Lord, that we might see change. And we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.